This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. Go with me in your notes there, Ephesians chapter 2. So when I hear grace, grace, there are several different uh, types of grace, so to say, throughout the Bible, and I just want to just touch on a few of them because I believe it's 160, 165 times throughout the Bible he talks about the grace of God. Now, one that we're most familiar with is saving grace. And this is a grace that is talked about in most denominations, and, and it's, it's life-changing. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So think about saving grace, that we don't get saved, we don't come into the family of God because of anything we've done except believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So the faith is there, it's a gift from God. Say it's a gift from God. Grace is there, it's a gift from God. Say it's a gift from God. So, so God's grace, one of the ways the Lord shared it with me years ago, it's like an extension of God's hand. Whenever we hear the word of God concerning the importance of needing Jesus as our Lord and Savior to have a relationship with God, to spend eternity with God, it's God's hand extended towards you and I, and it's His grace that also provides the faith for you and I to reach out and grab His hand, grab the enabling power of God, grab the grace of God that brings us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And it's a lie of the enemy. I remember before I got saved, I was going to try to get good before I got God. I was going to try to get cleaned up and then I would get God. Whenever I get my life right, then I think I'll go to God. But that's not grace at all. It's I go to God, I get God first, and then He helps me walk out His goodness. Because <laughs> in ourself, we will never be good enough to have a relationship with Almighty God. But thank God for Jesus. He says, by His grace, you and I are saved. Say, by grace. So we get God, then we start walking in God's goodness. Verse 10 it says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. So it's the grace of God that brings us into the kingdom of God. It's the grace of God that provides salvation. It is the grace of God that empowers us to walk in the good life. God is a good God who has a good life, but it's His grace that allows us and empowers us to walk in the good life that God has already prearranged from the beginning of time. From before the foundations of the world, He designed you and I to walk in a good life. Go back to Genesis chapter 1 and you see the good life that God has for you and I, when He sent Jesus to reconnect us back to God, it's good when we overcome. It's good when we prosper. It's good when we increase. It's good when we grow. It is good to live in relationship with God. Say, it's good. 
But it's only by His grace that we get to experience His goodness. So there's, there's saving grace. Say saving grace. Another type of grace is justified grace. Justifying grace. You can look at it this way. Justified just if I had never sinned. So it's the grace of God that puts me in a place as though I had never sinned. Just if I had never sinned. <laughs> Romans chapter 3, verse 24, all are justified. How many? Now, the, the scripture right before that, verse 23, it said, all has fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God. So without Jesus, when, whenever Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, sin came upon all mankind. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but through Jesus... All are justified, listen to this, made upright and in right standing with God, freely and gratuitously by His grace. That isn't a word we use all the time, but it just means free of charge. So by His grace, we're justified free of charge. By His grace, we're made upright free of charge. By His grace, we are made in right standing with God free of charge. Nothing we did, but everything that Jesus did, and we are justified just as if I had never sinned because of His grace. Keep going. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake He made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin, so that in and through Him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God what we ought to be approved, acceptable, in a right relationship with Him by His goodness. So by His grace, He made us what we ought to be. What we ought to be is forgiven, and we are. What we ought to be is in right standing with God, and we are. What we ought to be is the healed of the Lord, and that's who we are. What we ought to be is increasing and prosperous. And because of the goodness of God, that is, that is who we are. We're made what we ought to be by the grace of God. So we have saving grace. We have justifying grace. And then there's teaching grace. So we come in to the family of God by the grace of God. We're made in right standing with God by the grace of God. And then we continue to learn by the grace of God. Say the grace of God. Titus 2, verse 11 and 12, he says, For by the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now notice this, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Salvation doesn't just mean going to heaven. He says, by the grace of God, the grace of God brings salvation. Salvation means wholeness. It means completeness. It means provision, protection. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, he says, not only do you come into the kingdom by grace and you're made in right standing by grace as though sin had never existed in your life, it is that grace that teaches you to walk in relationship with him and to be who you're called and created to be. Grace doesn't push you away from the things of God and allow you to live like hell on earth. You don't have grace when you live with that mindset of grace. You have religion. Grace empowers you to walk with God. 
Grace empowers you to get free from whatever you need to get free from. Listen, listen to what he says. It brings salvation. It's appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in the present age. So grace empowers you and I to be more like Jesus. Grace empowers us even if you're struggling with an addiction, whatever it might be that you're struggling with, grace keeps teaching you to go towards God while he's doing a work in you and you're getting free from what Jesus already set you free from. Grace empowers you when you fall down to get back up. Grace empowers you to come to God receiving the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. So grace brings us into the kingdom. Grace puts us in right standing with God and grace keeps teaching us about who we are and gives us the ability to deny anything that is not of God. And grace enables us. Grace empowers us to live in relationship with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, And he said, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon you. Now, what had happened at this time? Paul had gone to to the Lord three different times and ask him to remove this thorn from the flesh. And he, he refers to the, the thorn in the flesh as tormenting spirits because of the revelation that he had gotten from God's word. And God said, you do something about it. Nowhere in the New Testament can you find God doing anything about the devil. Because Jesus already did everything about the devil. The Bible says he stripped him of his power and authority. He made him to nothing. He made him zero. He made him of no effect. And when he was raised from the dead, he gave you and I the power and authority in the name of Jesus. Now he says, you go and you cast out devils. You go and you lay hands on the sick. You go and you do something about the enemy. I'm not going to do anything because I gave you the dominion and authority, the power of attorney upon the earth. Now you go. And do something. So Paul comes to God and says, God, can you remove this? And he says, no, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Now you do something about it. So his grace brings us into the family of God. His grace makes us in right standing with God. His grace is teaching us right now about the goodness of God. And his grace empowers us to be everything we're called and created to be. 1 Corinthians 15. Listen to this. The grace of God empowers us to be everything we're called and created to be. Verses 9 and 10, 1 Corinthians 15. This is on uh, page 2, I believe. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Now notice what Paul is saying. I mean, think of, think of what he had to work through. Here's a guy that he says, you know what? I am not, I'm not worthy to be an apostle because I persecuted the church. So this is just like you and I saying, I'm not worthy 
to receive everything God has for me because I smoked this and I snorted this and I drank this and I watched this and I did this. But because of the grace of God, I am what I am by the grace of God. I am right, righteous because of the grace of God. I am forgiven because of the grace of God. I can go forward because of the grace of God. See, the devil is a liar and he wants us to think about how unworthy we are. But by the grace of God, it makes you and I worthy to receive everything that Jesus died to give us. So Paul says, yeah, I'm not worthy. To be in myself, I'm not worthy to be an apostle, <laughs> but I'm not by myself. By the grace of God, the grace is not vain to me. And because I understand this grace, because this grace was revealed to Paul, Paul says everybody was working, but they wasn't outworking me. And it wasn't in my own strength. It was by the grace of God. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. I think, what would Paul get done in today's age if he had everything we have? wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, started churches all over the place. I think, what would he get done with the jet and TV? What would he get done? I mean, that guy would just, you talk about preach the gospel around the world. I am what I am by the grace of God. You are who you are by the grace of God. The gifts that are on the inside of you, think about it, you didn't earn them. You might be real smart with numbers, but you didn't earn that. You might be real gifted with your hands. You didn't earn that. You discovered it and developed it. But it was still by the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. But what if you had grace, grace? What if you had a double portion of grace that you're operating in right now? You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But God is saying there is more levels of grace than what we're walking in right now. I am what I am by the grace of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 and 6, he says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Having the gifts differing according to the grace, let us use them. So think about what he's saying. He says, by the grace of God, I want you to think soberly. Stay with me here. Y'all stay with me. Think soberly. What does a sober person think like? When we are in sober mindset, we think like a saved person. When we're thinking soberly, we think like a healed person. We think like a blessed person. We think like a winner. We think like an overcomer. We think like an excellent person. We think soberly. There's, we can do all things to Christ who gives us strength. And he says, by this grace that I'm teaching you with, and by this grace, he says, I want each of us to understand that each of us have different graces, and by the grace of God, use the gift that you have, because the gifts that you have, there's a grace from God on that gift for you to be everything God's called and created you to be. I am what I am by the grace of God. Every one of us have gifts, he says, but realize you have the grace to develop the gift and you are what you are by the grace of God. Now go to Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. And I want you to remember what Jared said, how when we was praying earlier, this boulder and it was crumbling. And Verse 6 says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. 
not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? So whenever he's speaking to Zerubbabel, that's like him speaking to you and I. It's very important that we take ownership of God's word, that the Spirit of God inspired men and women uh, in the Bible to speak utterance for you and I to take ownership of what God is saying to you and I. So this word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, now, now think about Zerubbabel. Here's a guy who is a leader of 50,000 exiles and his assignment was to rebuild the temple. Just like your assignment is to do whatever God has called and created you to do. And so when all the exiles came back and he had the assignment from God, he heard God's command and he was so excited and he was so pumped and we're going to do the work of God and all this dream and this vision and this gift and all the people were pumped up. But as he started stepping out to do what God had called and created him to do, problem, problem, problem. People left, people quit. The king who had given him the, the license to rebuild the temple died, and now a new guy was in office, and so he had to go through the whole paperwork. People were suing him. Then they started comparing him to Solomon. Well, if Solomon was here, he would do it this way. And if Solomon was here, he would do it this way. What's taking you so long? How come you're not getting done what you said God created and called you to do? Why? How come? Problem problem, problem. 16 years since he started what God told him to do and he quit in the process. So I want you to picture this. God, God speaks to him in the midst of his journey. Just like God speaks to you and I in the middle of our journey, Acts chapter 20, verse 31 and 32 in the Amplified Translation, it says, Therefore, be always alert and on your guard, being mindful that for three years I never stopped night or day seriously to admonish and advise and exhort you by one with tears. And now, brethren, I commit you to God. I deposit you in His charge and trusting you to His protection and care. And I commend you to the word of His grace. Say grace. I commend you to the word of his grace, to the commands and counsels and promises of his unmerited favor. It is able to build you up and give you your rightful inheritance among all God's set apart ones, those consecrated, purified, and transformed of soul. So notice in the middle when, when the boulder, when the oppression, when the problem was trying to hold him down, God speaks a word to him. And Paul said to this church that he'd been with for three years, he says, I'm committing you to the word of God's grace because the word of God's grace has the ability to build you up and, and give you your inheritance as a child of God. So there's no way if I'm truly in the presence of God that I'm going to come away from the presence of God tore down but I'm going to come away from the presence of God built up. 
Because when I'm in the word of His grace, there's going to be hope. When I'm in the word of His grace, there's going to be a sense of victory. When I'm in the word of His grace, I know that there's a way out of the situation that I'm facing. The word of His grace. Paul says, I'm committing you to the word of His grace. The Spirit of God is saying to you and I, He's committing us to the word of His grace because His word has the ability to build us up. So in Zechariah 4, notice he says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In other words, he's saying, Okay, Zerubbabel, I want you to understand this isn't going to get done because you're smart. This isn't going to get done because of the army that you have behind you. This isn't going to get done because of the wealth that you have. This isn't going to get done because of the family that you came from. All this is fine and dandy. It's great to be from a great family, have wealth, have a great army, have a great leader. He says, but it's going to get done by my spirit. So he's saying, Zerubbabel, I need you to understand that it's only by my grace, my super coming upon your natural, that you're going to be everything you're called and created to be. He says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And he goes on to say, I want you to identify, notice what he says, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. He's saying, Zerubbabel, I want you to speak to this mountain. Zerubbabel, I want you to identify the mountain. Some of you might be dealing with a a mountain of marital issues. It might be a financial mountain. It might be a physical mountain. It might be a relational mountain. It might be an obstacle that has tried to stop you from being everything God's called and created you to be. And God is saying, I want you to identify your mountain and then I want you to compare your mountain to the God that you serve. Remember when David, when Goliath started talking to David about what a little boy he was and there's no way, who did he think? think he was? Did he think he was a dog? What did David do? He didn't start talking about all the size of the giant and how big the giant was. He started talking about the goodness of his God. He minimized Goliath and maximized God and he ran towards the giant. So when your giant starts talking to you, if you don't open up your mouth and let it know who you are and who you serve... It's going to talk you down, shut you down, close you down. And God is saying, I need you to identify the mountain that you're facing. And I want you to know that I'm going to make it flat. I'm going to make it a plain. And Isaiah, he says, I'm going to make the valleys lifted up. I'm going to bring the mountains down. I'm going to make the crooked places straight because of the grace of God. So he says, Zerubbabel... I need you to realize that you're at a place that I want to get involved in your life, but you need to realize it's not going to come by your smarts. It's not going to, and there's nothing wrong with being smart. We need to continue to grow, right? But he's saying, don't forget. Don't forget who gave you the gift. Don't forget who wired you the way that you're wired and designed you the way you're designed. Don't forget who gave you the dream. Don't forget who put that thing on the inside of you. He says, now, yeah, it's a mountain, but that mountain's not bigger than the God that we serve. Let's keep going. So he goes on to say, and he shall bring forth the capstones with shouts of grace, grace to it. He shall bring forth the capstone. Now, I want you to picture this because when God was talking to Zerubbabel and he's telling him, okay, it's not by might, not by power, but it's by my spirit. I want you to identify the mountain that you have. And I want you to know that when my super comes upon your natural, I'm going to start making that thing plain. I'm going to start making, I'm going to start breaking up the boulder. I'm going to start obliterating the boulder. That's what the anointing of God does, right? 
Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, it says, The anointing of God removes burdens and destroys yokes. The word destroy means it's going to obliterate it. There's nothing left of whatever the enemy has danced into your life and tried to make this big mountain stopping you from being who God has called and created you to be. God is saying, now this is what I want you to do. I want you to picture this because in the middle of this building, he had to shut down, stop building. Discouragement had an opportunity to sit in. And God says, I want you to grab the capstone and I want you to go to the construction site. And the construction site, there were weeds growing up. 16 years, no building. Rocks piled up. Nothing. Cricket. Cricket. No movement. And the capstone was supposed to be at the very end of the project, the very last stone that was put on the building saying, it's done. He says, I know it looks like nothing is happening, Zerubbabel. I know that these mountains have come up. I know people have quit you. People have left you. All this has happened. But I want you to take the Alpha and the Omega, the capstone, Jesus, in the middle of this thing that seems impossible. And I want you not to whisper, not to say grace one time, but I want you to begin to shout like you believe me that I'm going to show up. And I want you to see the end from the beginning. And I want you to dream again. Grace, grace. I I want you to pray again. I want you to praise again. I want you to worship again. I want you to see through the impossible thing and begin to say, grace, grace, because when you release the Word of God, the power of God goes into operation. Maybe it's your physical body. You need to speak grace, grace to it. Maybe it's your finances. You need to speak grace, grace to it. Maybe it's a dream that this big obstacle has come up and you need to begin to see past the thing, see the thing obliterated and begin to speak grace, grace. Not whisper it, not, well, if it's God's will. No, no, it's His will. His Word reveals His will. And He's saying, I need you to open your mouth and I need you to speak grace to the thing. Not once, but twice. And say it like you mean it. Grace, grace. And look at what happened. As he goes on in the story, when he opened up his mouth and he obeyed what the Spirit of God said, people started showing up. This person began to know how to work with rocks. And this person began to know how to work with wood. And this person started to come back. And this person started to come back. And things begin to get in place because your words have power. So don't speak sickness and defeat and lack and you'll never be anything and you can't. He says, no, you open your mouth and you speak to this mountain. Remember Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart but believes that those things which he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. What was he saying? Open up your mouth and speak to the mountain. A mountain represents any resisting power of the enemy, any obstacle. He says, so open up your mouth and speak grace, grace. Let's keep going. And the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands shall also finish it. Now notice what he's saying right here. He's saying, I put the dream in Zerubbabel to lay the foundation of the temple. I'm the one that graced him to come back. He says, and he's going to be the one to finish it. But this is the thing. How many people, God, God drops something in our heart and because it gets hard, we throw in the towel. Because a mountain comes up, we throw in the towel. 
because it doesn't work out the way we think that it should work out, we throw in the towel. And the Spirit of God was saying, uh-uh, Zerubbabel, I placed this dream in you. Your hands laid the foundation, and he is the author and the finisher. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He doesn't start something unless it's already finished. I need you to build again. I need you to dream again. I need you to pray again. I need you to declare again. You started it. I'm going to do it in you, and I'm going to do it through, through you, but don't you quit. He says, Zerubbabel laid the foundation and through his hands, I'm going to finish what I created him to do. And it's by the grace of God, you're going to finish what you're created to do. It is by his grace that I got saved. It is by his grace we're in right standing with God. It is by his grace that we're learning and growing. It is by his grace that we can open up our mouth and know that God's super is coming upon our natural. It is by his grace that things are moving right now, right now. When you begin to speak grace, grace to that thing. Say it, grace, grace. John chapter 1, verse 16. We're getting ready to be done. He says, For out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and we were all supplied with one grace after another. And spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. Notice this, grace after grace, blessing upon blessing, favor upon favor, Gift heaped upon gift. Grace, grace. There's different degrees of grace. Think about what you've accomplished up to now. It's the grace of God. But what if you operated in 5% more grace than you're operating in right now? What if you operated in 10% more grace than you're operating right now? What if you operated in 50% more grace than you're operating right now? What if you operated at 75% more grace than you're operating in right now? Where does the grace come from? The grace comes from Jesus. He says, and there's grace after 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 grace. But it doesn't happen. We don't discover it. We don't tap into it because of just going through the motions. It's when it becomes a revelation that I am who I am by the grace of God. I do what I do by the grace of God. When I acknowledge, God, it is your grace that allows me to think the way that I think. It is your grace that allows me to understand what I understand. It is your grace that allows me to keep going day and night doing what I'm called and created to do. I am what I am by the grace of God. God, it is your grace. Tomorrow when you walk into the office, I want you to acknowledge your daughter, you know, you might have done really well. But don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Thank God for where we've come from, but let's don't kid ourselves. <laughs> Without God, we're nothing. Without God, we can do nothing, but thank God we're not without Him. Thank God, thank God that we have the grace. Grace, grace, say it, grace, grace. Now he says, the hands of Zerubbabel had laid the foundation, his hands will finish it. Then he says, for who has despised the day of small things? He says, Zerubbabel, I know that you started out small. You just laid the foundation. All these problems arose, all these things come up, all these people quit. He says, but don't despise where you started. 
because of my grace, your end is going to be greater than what you started with. Job chapter 8, verse 5 through 7, it says, If you seek God diligently and make your supplication to the Almighty, then if you are pure and upright, surely He will bestir Himself for you and make your righteous dwelling prosperous again. And though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would greatly increase. Your latter end would greatly increase. Think about where you started. Think about where you're at now. And God is saying, that is great. Don't despise what I've done up to this point. But because my grace, your latter end is going to look better than what it does right now. Your latter end will greatly increase. My latter end will greatly increase. Say it, my latter end. I know we don't use that type of language. Say, my, my end... And I'm not talking about that end. Your end will greatly increase. You're, you're, great, you're, you're going to increase because of the grace of God. Because of the grace, our knowledge of God is going to increase. Because of the grace of God, revelation is going to increase. Because of knowledge, because of the grace of God, the heartbeat of God, the presence of God, the goodness of God. We haven't seen anything yet. The best is yet to come. Amen. The best is yet to come. But listen, it's not going to come to the people that play church. This isn't a game. Now, God isn't going to ask you and I to operate in something that we don't know. But I want to challenge you, are you operating in what you know? Are you applying what you know? Because as we apply what we know, the grace intensifies. When we're faithful with the grace that we have, we discover more grace. We're stepping into a time that graces are going to, they're going to come up. They're going to rise up. They're going to flourish. Gifts that have been in you since before the foundation of the world, before you were even in your mom's womb, you might not have discovered them yet. You're going to start discovering them. Why? Because God is filling. When you read this and you see the vision that God gave Zechariah right here, he, he talks about the seven spirits of God. He talks about the body of Christ being filled with the spirit of God. Why? Because the body is going to get brighter while the world gets darker. But there's a dividing line. There's a defining moment. The people that are playing church, they're going to end up falling away. Grace, grace. That's a different message. Grace, grace. What is it that you need to speak grace to in your life? I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes and I want you you to picture. I want you, whether it's finances, whether it's a relational issue, whether it's a job, whether it's a dream, whatever it is, I I want you to see it. I want you to hold it in your mind's eye and once you see it in your mind's eye, I want you to give me a thumbs up. Just hold your just thumb, thumbs up when you see it in your mind's eye. Now, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus as a family, we see this obstacle, we see this mountain obliterated, and we speak grace, grace to it. Say it, grace, grace. Grace, grace. Say it again. And Father, I expect for supernatural signs to follow us because we believe, because of your grace, because of your goodness, in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, Father, we receive this word, and I ask that it's sealed into our heart by you, that even while we go tonight, that grace is teaching us, the grace is helping our families, helping our marriages, helping our kids 
The grace of God is doing a work in us and through us and around us. The grace of God is manifesting upon our businesses. The grace of God are, are, are just intensifying upon our gifts. Grace, grace. 